You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, uh, your source and insight for local government technology. My name is Brendan Middleton, and today we're going to be speaking to Dr. Lila Bengali and Fran Mancia about the COVID-19 impact and effect it's having on California sales and property tax. Super excited to have both of our guests here today. Um, as I mentioned, Dr. Lila Bengali uh, and Fran Mancia. Dr. Bengali, uh, before we get started here, is, is just a quick background, received her PhD in economics from Yale University and is currently an economist at the UCLA Anderson Forecast, where she focuses on modeling the economy and policy issues for California. Welcome, Dr. Bengali. Thank you. And also, I'd love to introduce Fran Mancia, Avenue's VP of Government Relations. Fran has an extensive legislative and advocacy experience at the federal, state, and local levels, and works with jurisdictions across the country to help them navigate through legislative issues and further protect and grow their revenue streams. So Fran, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Great. Thank you, Brandon. All right, let's jump right to it. So according to the Tax Policy Center, the COVID-19 pandemic is, is obviously driving a sharp decline in state and local income and sales tax revenues across the country. Um, but history suggests that one key local government revenue source, property taxes specifically, may be relatively immune from this public health crisis. Um, and even on, in the longer term, revenues will probably not be severely affected. So COVID-19 will certainly affect the next two to three quarters across the country as the vaccine distribution continues. But when we get back to a normal or the new normal, one of the first questions I have for you, Lila, is what trends do you see ta on taxable sales, sales tax revenue, and property tax in California for 2020? So I'm going to think about taxable sales and sales tax revenue together as one thing and then property tax as another. Um, so these are two different types of, of sources for local government revenue, and they're driven by different rules and different consumer behavior. So um, naturally, the trends have been different in the past year or so. So let's start by thinking about the big picture. Like a lot of other macroeconomic indicators, taxable sales fell off in quarter two 2020. So down, I think, about 17% year over year in the state overall, but regained a lot of that lost ground by quarter three. Those numbers just came out. Um, so those are down statewide only about 2% year over year. So a big recovery there. For property tax revenue, this has this source of revenue has a very different time scale and is ultimately driven by property tax values and assessed values. So it's instructive to look at property tax value or sorry property values in 2020. And though commercial and um, uh, retail office space. Um, type markets didn't have a great year in 2020. Residential, particularly single family markets, were very strong across the state. And also the increased demand for online orders would make any commercial space used for logistics more valuable. So those are some of the big trends going on uh, for those two revenue streams in 2020 that I saw. Excellent. 
And Fran, what what are I'd like you to expand upon that a bit and maybe talk about the the difference in geographies and kind of the makeup of communities. But what are you seeing in local governments across California? Well, I think it's a great question and a really interesting topic. We're really seeing a lot of variation based on regions, um, coastal cities versus inland cities, rural cities versus urban. You know, in trends in terms of taxable sales, we're really seeing a hard hit to retail sales. Um, entertainment, so movies, uh, restaurants, amusement parks, tourist destinations have been hard hit during the pandemic. But on the other side, we're seeing online sales are growing dramatically. People are staying home, so they're purchasing more through Amazon or other platforms, um, which is helping to balance it out. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, a bit later. Construction and you know, light, light industries are doing extremely well. Business to business has been fairly steady. I think things that are less reliant on consumer purchases are are doing better things that are consumer driven or impulsive buys or, or things of that nature are really being impacted. The other thing is in the terms of property tax, we're seeing a lot of people fleeing the urban cities wanting to move into the country or places where they have a little more room. So real estate and property taxes will have an impact over time um, because of the desire to have a little more elbow room, as they say. Wonderful. So Let's talk a little bit about the societal changes, and I'm interested to know, like, what are some of the societal changes that have been caused by the pandemic that has affected this decline in sales tax? And, and more importantly, Lila, do you see these changes becoming part of the new normal, quote unquote, or do you anticipate they will go away as the vaccine vaccine increases across the country? So let me unpack the first part of that question first, talking about and thinking about what changed during the pandemic or what the pandemic changed. And one thing that changed is what people bought. And there was generally a shift towards the consumption of goods, which are taxed and are subject to sales tax and a shift away from the consumption of services. And um, one reason we see that is that there were, uh, you know, consumers were concerned or there were restrictions on consuming services. So think of services like haircuts, mm -hmm. uh, but buying online, there was no restriction uh, on buying online. Consumers felt safer, perhaps buying online. And this actually helped hold up taxable sales more than we at the forecast initially anticipated. So if you look at the data that the state puts out on uh, taxable sales by type of business, and the, the numbers you're seeing kind of match what you'd expect. So if you look uh, at year over year changes um, in quarter two 2020 relative to quarter two 2019, taxable sales generated by businesses in accommodations, bars, um, businesses involved in arts and entertainment, those were, you know, the most, uh, took the took the biggest hit. But if you look year over year at uh, businesses like grocery stores, home improvement stores, quote, non-store retail, which essentially means online, drug stores, those, uh, those places were generating more sales tax revenue. So that kind of fits with the consumer behavior changes we saw in 2020. So another thing that changed was income. 
And this was a lot because of government stimulus. So personal income actually rose during the worst of the pandemic in 2020. Wow. And you might think, oh, it's a recession. We expect personal income to go down. But because of the large government stimulus, uh, income actually rose during uh, that worst part of the pandemic. So then the next part of the question is, will this continue? Is this the new normal? Um, yeah. There's a lot of talk about pent up demand for consuming services. So people just, you know, wanting to go finally get a haircut or, mm -hmm. or you know, get more haircuts and not feel, let's say, wary about it, go to the dentist. Um, uh, maybe most people aren't aren't chomping at the bit to go to the dentist, but my, my guess is that uh, fewer people have gone to the dentist in 2020 than, you know, was the case in, mm -hmm. in normal years. Um, so the question is whether spending patterns will revert back. Uh, and maybe a question you can ask yourself is, will you continue giving yourself your haircut or will you go back to the salon? Uh, my, I can only speak for myself with 100% certainty. I will definitely look forward to getting more of my haircuts uh, from a professional uh, rather than uh, my untrained, uh, untrained skills um, on income. Though government stimulus will subside, um, and putting aside the the current negotiations about stimulus, incomes from wages and salaries will recover, and they have already started to recover. Uh, so this will give people money to continue spending on goods, including taxable goods, but also services. Fantastic, and, and Fran, would you elaborate a little bit on kind of how? online sales is somewhat replacing brick and mortar to a degree and some of the trends you're seeing there? Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, we we look at online sales as being a big help during this crisis, but it certainly has, in my view, replaced brick and mortar purchases. Frankly, a lot of the things Lila may mentioned are, are exactly spot on. People do want, have pent up desires to go to movies or get haircuts and do those things. And I too do not want to cut my own hair. I'm fearful mm -hmm. of the, the end results. So I'm looking forward to those normal normalcy coming back there as well. But what I think is kind of interesting is to look at a couple some of the recent quarters and how sales tax in general we're doing. And you know, just, we're just using one client city in the Silicon Valley as an example. You know, in the first quarter of 2019, the quarter over quarter changed. They were up 12.3%. Second quarter they went up another 19.3%. Then in the wow. third quarter of 2019, we started to see a drop, 13.5% for this particular jurisdiction. And, you know, a lot of that came, you know, the economic slowdown was kind of starting. The Trump stimulus was starting to come up, to come down. And we were getting kind of into a correction mode prior to the pandemic to some degree. Then even in the fourth quarter, it was down about 3%. So, you know, we had had a really nice run up. We're starting to drop a bit. And then in the first quarter of 2020, pandemic hit in March. We saw a 23.4% decrease um, from March, April, May, June. And then in the second quarter, another 21%. So in our view, that's really where we started to hit the bottom. I, the point I'm trying to make is if we didn't have uh, third-party sellers, which is online, people using the Amazon platform, Etsy platforms to sell their products, it could have been a lot worse. We think it would have been down another 21%. And back to the stimulus money, if we didn't have that, it could have been another 13%. So potentially... Sales tax revenues, in our view, could have been down almost 34% in the second quarter. So fortunately, because online sales picked up some of that gap, stimulus money helped to lessen the blow for cities that were more, you know, dependent on those type of transactions. But 
I, I don't think it will replace it completely. We, we think the growth in online sales will continue to be strong. Um, however, it's not going to replace brick and mortar because people want experiential. They want to go out and be with their friends and their family. Right, right. Wow, friends, Lila, some interesting numbers there for all of us to continue to track and to evaluate from a trending perspective. So. Uh, f forecasting is always one of the most um, sought after um, uh, insights into, you know, revenues for local governments. Like, can we talk a little bit about what the 2021 sales budget forecast look like? Is it up? Is it down? Will it be flat? Like, Lila, what are you seeing? So the, the short answer is that at the forecast, we're much more optimistic now than we were around March or April of last yeah. year. So the short answer is up. Um, cool. So uh, that uh, we're we're optimistic about uh, sort of the outlook for for taxable sales. Um, our most recent forecast, which was from December of 2020, uh, we called for a sharp rebound in taxable sales in quarter three. Uh, which is what we ended up seeing and in fact the numbers we saw were were better were more optimistic they were you know more good news than than what we forecast so that, that's good news i suppose um, and then moving forward our forecast after that sharp rebound in quarter three was for a slow rise getting back to pre-pandemic levels by the end of our forecast horizon which right now is 2022 if you smooth out quarter to quarter fluctuations in the taxable sales series that uh, the numbers that the state puts out. Um, just quickly, a few important assumptions there. Every forecast has assumptions. We have ours as well. We were assuming a stimulus, a government stimulus of about a trillion dollars is starting to affect the economy in quarter one or quarter two of 2021, and that vaccinations would be widely available in mid-2021. So for both, we sort of have to wait and see whether our, or how well our assumptions line up with reality and whether um, our forecast from December is too optimistic or too pessimistic, depending on whether we get a larger stimulus, smaller stimulus, faster vaccination or slower vaccination. So we'll have to wait and see about that. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, the assumptions that we work on from a micro level with our jurisdictions, and of course, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, the impacts, the recoveries are going to vary based on their business basis, but our assumptions mirror uh, UCLA and what Lila just described in terms of the rebounds. I think the vaccines are a very big part of this and people's consumer confidence to go back out into the market. The other thing I wanted to mention is it, the impacts really vary by geographic region. You know, just using the Central Valley of Sacramento as an example or any of those areas, they're more reliant on food and agriculture using uh, transportation logistics, for example, government operations and community-based functions, if you look at the Sacramento region. So they're a little less, a little more reliant, resist, uh, they're not as reliant on consumer purchases, tourism, things of that nature to do well. So they've been more stable than some a city that might be on the coast that relies on tourism to come in or conventions, but we're seeing a devastating impacts and a longer recovery. Now, as we estimate recoveries in some of those communities, it could take far longer than a community that's less uh, reliant on consumer behavior for their sales tax revenue. So it's going to vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction uh, and region by region. Awesome. Definitely something to look forward to and, and tracking against, you know, not only the forecasts that you guys are providing, but 
also the assumptions, right? The assumptions make a big difference in whether the forecast um, comes to light. So we've talked about sales tax specifically. Now let's shift a little bit and talk about property taxes. Like we know increased unemployment rates continuing to go up uh, and tremendous increase in remote workforce. Um, you know, m a lots and lots and lots of people have, you know, chose to opt out of moving, or opt in to moving out of larger cities in in place of lower cost of living elsewhere that they can remote, and they can work remotely. Um, how how has this affected the property tax revenue in 2020? What are we seeing there? So I have um, a few things to comment on. While we don't have official migration data, we won't for a while. Um, another consideration is completely anecdotal, like you mentioned, um, that people are deciding to move out of a dense urban area and, and work remotely from somewhere more mm -hmm. remote, for lack of a better word. And there's a question of how many of these decisions will be temporary. Uh, you know, again, completely anecdotally, I have a number of friends and um, friends and colleagues who've decided that they're temporarily going to, um, you know, spend the year, year and a bit uh, somewhere more remote, but they're planning to come back to their uh, apartment in a more dense urban area once their office reopens and once things start to normalize a little bit more. So with these data limitations, what can we do? How can we get a sense of what's going on and, and try to make some of these anecdotes into more concrete numbers? And one thing we can do is look at markets and prices that reflect people's behavior. And in this case, the market we're interested in is the residential real estate market. And what we see is that rents in some places are down, though some places they're up, and single family home sales and prices are generally up. So together, this is an indication that there's a decrease in demand for renting um, apartments in, in certain dense areas, and at the same time, an increase in demand for single family homes in potentially very close by areas. So putting these together, it's, it's certainly consistent with not seeing a mass migration. If we saw, if we were seeing a mass migration out of California, at least I would expect to see rents consistently down as opposed to rents down in some places and up in other places. And also uh, activity in the single family market down as opposed to up. Um, it, it's it's possible that there's net out migration. We really won't know that for a while, but at least looking at the housing market, my reading is that we're the the, the data aren't consistent with mass out migration from California. So what does this mean for property tax revenue? Well, residential looks good because changes in ownership increase um, or trigger reassessments, and that will generally increase the assessed value and uh, thus property tax revenue because the prices of homes are are up this year. Commercial will probably be hurt a little bit because assessed values are based on the revenue that commercial buildings can generate, and real estate, uh, sorry, retail, commercial retail and commercial office didn't have a great year, but commercial warehousing is doing well uh, with online ordering. But there are a lot of important 
sort of details about how property tax works in California that underlie what I've said. And just, I think Lila answered the question extremely well. Um, you know, there are in the foothills of Northern California, for example, where I live, we're seeing properties with multiple offers for people looking to move into the foothills to buy property. So we're seeing a bit of a run up in prices in certain areas, especially if there's a little bit of land around it. Acreage it seems to be moving pretty quickly um, in that regard. Yet then you go into the Bay Area, Marin property values are holding very well. It's still highly desirable. The market is very busy. Rents are staying steady in those markets, so I don't see a decline, but I think Lila was right. The urban areas, it's a bit of a, a, a temporary exodus. In some cases, it wouldn't be a mass migration out, but there are some more vacancies in some of the urban areas. So, um, you know, I think that's, we have to watch, let it play itself out, and as Lila said. Wonderful. All right. So to sum it up, we've talked a little bit about the impacts of sales tax, the trends and the forecast we're seeing there. Same with property tax and the trends, the exodus and how it's affecting trends into the future and what the road ahead looks like. I'm interested just from your both of your perspective, like what tactics can jurisdictions do today to understand these trends, understand what's happening, understand what's down the road and how do they prepare for a post-COVID world, and how do you deal with businesses possibly not reopening, and how that affects sales and property tax together? That's a, I think that's a great question, and I think this, the short answer is be as business-friendly as possible and support your communities. And I think we've all seen communities have done some really creative things to help businesses in their areas. You know, depending on the tier level that they're in, restaurants have you know, blocks of streets, for example, in certain cities have been closed, so restaurants could have outdoor dining, food, uh, retail operations could move their, their products and sales outside, um, street fairs, things of that nature, open markets. Uh, but I think it really means it comes down to being creative and business friendly as possible and collaborative. And I, I'm very impressed by the resiliency of cities and their, and their businesses working together. Um, and, you know, I've seen more and more advertisements through city websites and things of that nature promoting business. But I think it really has to be a collaborative effort. Um, the businesses are the heart and life of uh, the ability for a city to provide services. And uh, creativity has really come about. Um, and I think that's really important. Awesome. Yeah, so I have a few thoughts on uh, one of the last points you brought up about businesses reopening or not reopening. Uh, there's definitely a difference between businesses closing and not being replaced by new businesses and businesses closing and being replaced by new businesses. Right. And right. if the former happens, that's not so good. But the latter part is kind of part of the recovery process. And that's how markets work. Old businesses close and make room for new ones. And it can be a painful adjustment period, particularly for those businesses that had to go out of business. But once those new businesses start to get going, and I completely agree with Fran about finding ways to help these new businesses as much as possible, those businesses will generate revenue for local governments. And as a positive sign, business applications across the U.S. and in the state were up year over year in most of 2020. Interesting. Interesting. Well, some incredible stats today, um, some incredible insight, honestly, for what's down the road and what's what's ahead for us. Let's wrap up today by just talking about wh what are some of the key takeaways both of you have from this conversation that you want kind of our listeners to leave with? I would say the key takeaway is that taxable sales and sales tax revenue 
those those are different from property tax revenue and the trends in 2020 for those two sets of things were different because they were reliant on how consumers behaved and uh, local government policies and those policies and consumer behavior uh, differed between the the two types of, of revenue so big picture there's a difference between the two which is uh, broad brush stroke to categorize what we talked about today right and to that point I think it's also very important to not use a broad brush across individual jurisdictions as you're looking at them because they're all very unique and different um, and they're going to have different reactions based in terms of revenue impacts based on their makeup as well and I think the impacts from sales tax are more immediate and we see those more directly the property tech revenue impacts take a little more time to to really come to, to come to fruition because of the nature of how they're paid and sales tax is you know more of an immediacy so uh, you know, every jurisdiction is unique and we have to look at them in that respect, yet we have to understand the macro overlaying uh, issues around it. Awesome. Well, Lila, Fran, I cannot thank you both enough for joining us today on the Local Government Insights podcast. Um, this has been some incredible statistics, definitely some uh, insight for what's to come in the future and how we will uh, come out of this, but also areas to take note of for, for trends around both sales and property tax and how the behavior is affecting both um, and how we're going to how we're going to move forward in our economy. So thank you all for listening. Uh, please stay tuned for more local government news and insights to come on future episodes of the Local Government Insights podcast. Thanks, Layla, friend. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Local Government Insights, modernizing government leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.